mic is hot and the game is on. You're listening to News for the Nation podcast by Aces Nation, where we talk about nutrition, sports performance, the journey of a student athlete, and more. I'm Claire. I'm Zach. Time Time to to level level up. Welcome back, sports fans. Today, we're doing our first documentary review, and we're going to start with a heavy hitter right off the bat with The Game Changers, okay? The documentary about uh, a fighter who was looking into recovery methods and got really deep into um, being a vegetarian. Was it vegan? I mean, it was a little of both. Okay, okay. So a combination of of more of a plant-based style diet, I guess you could say, to be um, safe. So Claire has definitely got a lot of... uh, remarks to make about it because she's a registered dietitian. Um, and so she can give better insight than I can about everything, but I'm just going to give my overview of it really quickly. And, um, yeah. So first of all, disclaimer, uh, I didn't watch the fighting competition show that the narrator or the main character, the, I don't know if he's considered an investigator. Uh, yeah. Whatever, the main guy who's talking the whole time about his journey and and talking about everybody else in there. I didn't watch the fighting show, so I don't necessarily know who he is. I'm not very familiar with him. Uh, So I just wanted to say that off the bat. So I don't have really any opinion on him either way. And I really don't have any opinion either way when I went into this uh, documentary. Um, You know, some meals I eat are vegetarian. You know, they don't have meat products and, and I enjoy them. And some meals that I eat have animal products and I enjoy them too. You know, uh, I think there's good both ways and it doesn't have to be starkly one or the other. Um, but I went into this pod, uh, this um, documentary just wanting to see what it was all about because I know it's, it's pretty polarizing and it has been uh, since it came out. So um, I thought after watching it maybe for maybe 20, 30 minutes when they really started to get into details about plant-based diets, that it was egregiously one-sided. Like there, there was not another person I think that I can recall. I could be wrong. I don't know. Uh, I'd have to go back and watch it again, but I can't recall anyone talking about animal uh, based diets or I guess like animal protein diets in a, in a positive light or that they gave, credibility to while they were talking. I know there was the one news clip where someone was talking about uh, animal diets. It was on like a Fox News show or something. And they showed that clip and the way that the filter was and the way that they kind of portrayed it was like, this person's crazy out of their mind or like, they don't know what they're talking about. So um, just pretty soon into it, I thought it was pretty biased one way. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, sure, you're you know, entitled to make the, make those documentaries one way, you know, um, everyone's got, is going to have opinions, I guess, about documentaries at some point in time. But, um, I think that's where probably the main flaw was, was they, they looked at only these plant-based diets and they really tried to sell you on it in different ways that I'm sure Claire is going to go into. So I'm going to let her do that stuff, but they really did their best to, put you against um, animal products, which I mean, in some ways, yeah, like treatment of animals and stuff, you know, that's, that's a whole different uh, conversation. Uh, This was all about the, uh, how those different um, 
sources of protein or those different food sources affect the body. And they were really going against it, which rightfully so they're trying to promote uh, plant-based diets. But that was just my overview was that it's so one-sided. It just yeah. made it, it just made it like comical or just like almost un- unwatchable because I didn't even get uh, a palate cleanser for the other side. It mm-hmm. was just, you know, they were just selling me hardcore, hardcore, hardcore. Yeah. So. It was very, there was a lot of fear mongering, I think mm-hmm. from one side. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I would have to agree with that. Um, I remember when it first came out and when I first heard about it, I was at Florida state and I had a bunch of athletes randomly coming in and they were like, I think I'm going to go vegan or vegetarian. And I hadn't heard that it was out and I didn't know what it was. And I was like, what is the deal? Like, are you guys okay? Like, did you have a bad experience with a hamburger? Like what is going on? And they were like, I watched Game Changers. And, you know, they, I just kept hearing that name and I was like, that's it. I need to go watch this thing. Um, and it was exactly as you described it. It was very one-sided, very biased, um, very much pushing to do this one thing. And if you do this, it's like a magic pill and you're going to be an elite athlete and yada, yada, yada. So, um, you're absolutely correct. I have a lot to say. Um, so yeah, that, that being the, the first thing I, I think the reason why I didn't necessarily hear about it or I didn't know about it is because I don't love to watch those types of things and I don't actively seek them out because a lot of the times they are extremely biased or one-sided. And so, you know, I think as not only a dietitian, but as a viewer and a consumer of that type of information or just information in general, um, I wish, and I think it would be not outlandish to expect that you do have views from both sides because the viewer is supposed to be able to form their own opinion about these things when they're watching it. Like it shouldn't be something that's pushing, 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 pushing um, unless it's maybe like a commercial or something like that. Um, But it, it, the whole documentary, if you even want to call it that just felt like one big advertisement. Um, Yeah, it was, it was just very one-sided, a lot of like anecdotal narrative type vibes like there was research but um i think a lot of it was cherry-picked i think some of it was kind of manipulated to fit the narrative and fit the bias um and i'll get into some of that um in a little bit but a lot of the data was kind of fit to pick that mold to picked to fit that mold of what they were trying to say um can i ask you a question jump in here real quick yeah because I don't even know if this is the source of that. Okay. Was this documentary the place where uh, all the, uh, I'm not going to drink cow's milk because it's acidic to the body. Is it, is this? I don't think that was in there. No, okay. I don't, no, I don't remember that. it either. Um, yeah. I don't remember that being in there. I'm sure that's been in some documentary somewhere. <laughs> and then people were like, milk is bad. You can't drink milk. Um, but I did want to point out some conflicts of interest. I, because I think you and I are probably pretty familiar with those things. And typically, like if we go to a conference or if you're attending a webinar or something where there's research being presented or a keynote speaker, they have to or usually do 
cite or mention their conflicts of interest or who they're sponsored by or who they're affiliated with, who they're funded by. Um, This documentary didn't necessarily go into what the people that were affiliated with um, inside of the documentary were affiliated with from like a vegan vegetarian standpoint. So I just wanted to bring up that both the executive producers are founders of a pea protein company, which is vegan. Um, virtually all of the experts that they interviewed sell vegan products or are authors of books on veganism or vegetarianism, or they profit from veganism or vegetarianism. So if that doesn't say bias, I don't know what does. Yeah. Um, you made a great point about it being just one long advertisement. Now that I think about it, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. It was like a late night infomercial, but they put it on Netflix. Yeah. For like two hours. Yeah. <laughs> straight. Um, yeah. So I think that was important, but um, I wrote a funny joke <laughs> about getting into it. I said, okay, getting into the meat of the film. And then I wrote he he in parentheses. <laughs> anyway. Okay. So I just kind of wrote notes um, like, Per some of the sections. Honestly, if I had written everything I felt from every part of the thing, this would be like a four hour podcast. So I didn't do that. We're not trying to get all Joe Rogan over here. Um, You know, those conversations are probably more interesting. Um, The first one I wanted to start off with were the claim that gladiators were vegan. Um, I think that's pretty wild. (laughs) To, to say uh, that they were all vegan. Um, there, it was interesting that the, the study that they cited, uh, it was actually, they, they cited an article and there was a study in the article, um, but it, it was showing varying levels of nitrogen in bones or in, you know, remains. And they indicated varying levels of animal product ingestion. So they were kind of measuring those nitrogen levels. Um, They kind of went off of this narrative that because in one specific place they were low in nitrogen that, you know, it's clear that they were vegans and they ate a vegan diet. Um, However, they're in that study that was not mentioned in the documentary, there were other places that these remains were studied in similar times. And specifically from Thebes, the gladiators showed high sulfur concentrations in their remains or bones, which essentially indicates that they had a very high seafood diet, which is not vegan. Obviously, it's not necessarily like red meat, um, but it's still showing that that's not necessarily true. Um, It could have been regional, right? Like what food was available. Yeah. Yes. It could have been regional. It could have also like when you think about it, um, plant-based diets are typically cheaper and more readily available than maybe more animal um, based diets are. And when you think about gladiators, the majority of them were slaves or, you know, people that were in captured or, um, you know, they were of a lower class. So at that time, they probably weren't fed the most expensive food. So it's not to say that they were even vegan by choice. Um, It might've just been like, that's what they were fed. They ate it because they had to, their bodies adapted. And yes, they were very uh, strong and, and um, 
valiant fighters, but also they had to be or they would die. So, you know, how much of that is a vegan diet versus how much of that is adrenaline and survival and just doing the best that they could. Right. Um, And also, also, I want to say this too, based on that point, it's like, who is even there to prove or show that these gladiators were elite, quote unquote, you know, at the time? We don't know, you know? Yeah. I mean, all we're going off of is probably like word of mouth from you know, stories told from, from then until now. Um, I think I'm sure, I think there were some written accounts, but again, like, I think there's this blanket statement of like all gladiators were elite, strong, ripped. And I don't, I I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, they probably all weren't, uh, just like all athletes. Now elite athletes don't look the same, Mm -hmm. um, whether they're vegan or not. So, yeah, yeah I, it was just a very outlandish claim. And again, I think that's the first uh, example of cherry picking data. You know, they the here's an example of remains showing that they were vegan. But in the same study, it shows that, no, they're not all vegan. And that was just kind of conveniently left out. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, the next part I wanted to talk about was the protein as fuel. Um I think it's been known for quite some time, or I know we've talked about this at least, that um, protein is not a primary source of fuel for the body. Um, it can be that your body can convert specific amino acids to energy through a process called gluconeogenesis, but it's not very efficient, and typically your body's not going to utilize that process unless you, there's times of starvation, like if you're extremely dieting, whether maybe there's an eating disorder present, maybe, you know, sometimes bodybuilders will partake in extreme dieting. Sometimes we'll see that um, if there's a very, very low carb and or fat intake. Um, so I think that, again, that's just uh, wrong. So that was a little kind of misleading, I think. Um And then, you know, they're showing examples of vegan athletes that are performing at a high level, I think, to try and convince these viewers that, you know, if you become vegan, it's this magic pill to become an elite athlete and become the best athlete that you can be. Um, So they're kind of confirming their bias. Um, I think it's also an example of like, if you make this claim that you can be an elite vegan athlete and you search for that, you're going to find them. There are definitely elite athletes that are vegan there are definitely elite athletes that are not vegan so again it's just this you know if you set out to find examples of those things to support your claims and your bias you'll find them but that doesn't mean that that is the majority um anyway continuing on with this protein um information that's very misleading um from a large survey that I could find of vegan athletes. I think it was conducted in mm, like 2014, so a couple years ago. Um, but the average protein intake in vegans is 83 grams per day for athletes. Now, I know we've talked about probably in one of our earlier episodes, like protein needs for athletes, but just like as a blanket kind of recommendation, I like athletes to be at a minimum at like 1.5 grams per kilogram of protein per day. 
more efficient or uh, probably better would be 1.85 to 2.2 grams per kilogram, especially in elite athletes. So if we're looking at that 83 grams per day in like a 160 pound athlete, that's 1.1 gram per kilogram, which is 30 to 40% below your daily requirement as an athlete to prevent protein deficiency. So, um, no, they're not getting enough protein on average. So I think you also have to look at, and we've talked about this before too, is you can definitely be a vegan or vegetarian athlete and get the amount of protein that you need, but it's not going to be easy. It's you have to be strategic. You have to plan ahead of time. You have to know how to combine certain foods to get the types of the all of the amino acids that you need that your body can't make. Um, so I think it was very misleading to say that, you know, protein, uh, vegan athletes get more than enough protein um, because the reality, in reality, the majority of them don't unless they have a dietitian, maybe a private chef um, or are just very knowledgeable about that and are very, very regimented in their protein intake. Yeah. I mean, I, I would doubt that they're getting that much. I mean, based on conversations that we've had, um, if they're eating plant sources, aren't they getting more fiber anyway? More fiber, typically more carbs as well, which yeah. is not necessarily a bad thing. I think if you're maybe more of like a power sport athlete or more of like a weight-based sport athlete, that it, it can be very, very difficult when you have to make weight and you have to manage your carbohydrate intake and your only source of protein that you have is chickpeas and lentils and beans Duh, those are high in carbs so like you know which yeah. retain water so it just makes it a lot more difficult um but well, I-, I would argue that even athletes who are not vegan or vegetarian already have a hard time meeting their protein needs yeah yeah and i was gonna say i mean even um even as you're eating more plant-based proteins, right? You're getting more fiber and you're going to be fuller faster, right? Mm-hmm. So it's probably going to be hard for you to get more protein if based on our earlier conversations, you know, um, you have to eat more of these plant proteins to get the same bioavailability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, protein is a very satiating macronutrient. So you can feel full, after you eat a lot of protein. But when you think about like, if you need even like four ounces of, of a chicken breast versus like how much protein you get from that versus beans and rice, like you'd have to eat a lot more. And so even if somebody says, well, I get full after I eat a large protein meal, you know, that makes sense, but you're going to feel even more full if you, you know, because you're going to have to eat like double, triple, quadruple the serving size quote unquote, of that vegetarian or vegan based protein, unless it's like tofu or tempeh, then you'll get a little bit more bang for your buck um, to reach that same amino acid threshold to meet that same protein content. And even then it's not as a bi- it's not as bioavailable as the protein and that's from animals. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's on the protein. Um I think they were very specific with the athletes that they picked to, which was fine. Um, but again, if they, I don't know if I mentioned this, so I don't know what I'm saying again, but if they had just 
focused, if this whole thing was different and it was just focusing on and highlighting high-level athletes that happen to be vegan, and this is how these high-level athletes can be at the level they're at and be a vegan and vegetarian, I think that would have been a really great thing to watch versus if you're not doing this, you're unhealthy and you're not going to be a good athlete because animal protein is killing you. Like, I I just wish it was different. (laughs) Um, But yeah, instead it just kind of created, I think this narrative of if, if you're not vegan, you're not going to be an elite superior athlete. So, you know, most of the athletes that they highlighted Again, we're elite athletes, um, but I'm going to be honest, I've n- I hadn't really heard of a lot of them. I think probably the most prominent one was the MMA fighter. Um, but even then, I'm not really big into MMA, so I didn't I didn't know who he was. I, kn- I know who Conor McGregor is, but I didn't know who that other guy was. Wasn't um, Nate Diaz? I think so. Yeah. So, again, uh, like the cyclist, never heard of them. Um, you know, so it's, I think it's just this idea of like, here are these elite athletes, but also it's like, okay, but where's Usain Bolt and Michael Phelps and like all of these other, like really elite athletes that are not vegan. They're, they're very athletes. So how are you kind of, how are you saying that if you're vegan, you can be this superior athlete when they're not like, they're just clear. They're not as good. And I don't think it necessarily is even because they're vegan, Right. Or not I mean, vegan, that they're better. Yeah, I mean, like, well, let's just be honest about the the cyclist, the uh, Olympian. Like, I, I don't follow that sport, so I wouldn't I know. Think- I mean, the only person I would know that does anything close to that would be Apollo Ono, but you know, obviously, he's a like a skater. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I mean, they bring up the the strongman guy. I mean, I watch a lot of world strongest man competitions, uh, just to be honest. And I've never seen that guy in it. And if I do, I don't remember him. Like where's Mark Felix, where is Brian Shaw? You know, where is, um, the mountain, uh, Thor something, right? Like where, where, where are those guys, you know, in this whole debate here, where's Eddie Hall, you know? Um, and then, they showed a, a sprinter, I think, for track. Maybe she's a hurdler. I don't remember. Uh, but she was Canadian. I, I mean, I don't, I don't, res- I don't recognize her. But maybe someone who does recognizes her. You know, who watched the documentary. One yeah. thing. Uh, speaking of athletes, and you talked about bodybuilders er- earlier. One thing I thought was very strategic by them was to put Arnold Schwarzenegger in there mm-hmm. every once every once in a while. Right? They would bring him in on something. Right. Well, he was, oh, I believe he was one of the producers. Um, but number two, I think he was, he's like a vegetarian vegan now. He was not when he was younger in his bodybuilding days. So I think that's pretty misleading to say, like, you know, to bring him in here and show all this stuff when most of his accomplishments were not when he was a vegan. So again, not to say you can't be a great athlete and be a vegan, but I just think it's very misleading to to bring him on there and, and talk like that when he wasn't even doing that when he was competing. So. Yeah, I, I would say the marketing of that um, was good, right? To bring professional athletes in mm-hmm. and elite athletes in. Um, yeah. But I think it would have probably been a better sell if they had, I, I don't know, no disrespect to these people. I just want to say more household names. 
yeah, that people like, would, would regularly um, like recognize. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I even mentioned like they use the example of Kendrick Ferris, the uh, Olympic weightlifter who's a vegan. Um, I remember, I think around the Olympics, there was a lot of kind of hype around him for being a vegan and, and making it. But um, I mean, his best, his best finish was eighth in the Olympics, which is amazing. I'll never do that. Um, but again, it's okay. If these athletes that are vegan are so superior and elite, why are they not getting gold medals and why are they not winning and why have we never heard of them? So again, I, I just think it shows that it's, it's highly unlikely that these athletes are just good and where they are because they're quote unquote vegans. Like there's a lot more that obviously goes into becoming an elite athlete than just what you're eating. That's a big factor, but what does their training look like? Uh, what does their recovery look like? What are their genetics? What did they do when they were younger? Have they been an athlete their whole life? So there's just so many other factors. Um, obviously yeah. that's not what this documentary focused on, but uh, it's just, again, like this example of let's highlight these athletes, but when you really look into them and their accomplishments, not that they're not amazing accomplishments, but there are people that have accomplished more. Yeah. I mean, but I want to point this out too. So we're, you know, staying fair on the other side. Uh, let's talk about the endurance runner who was running the Appalachian trail, right? Mm -hmm. I don't care if you're vegan or vegetarian, or if you're eating animal products yeah. to do what he was trying to do. Right. It is is difficult regardless where you're Correct. sleeping for four hours at a time and then getting up and then running mm -hmm. on, on uneven. So the fact that he didn't finish doesn't discourage me from that plant-based style diet. I just don't, I don't even think anyone who was using animal products could have could finish, could have finished in a faster time or made, yeah. it, uh, you know, made it look, made him look any like worse or made him look any better. Like, yeah. you know, but here's a thought that I just had when I'm talking about this is, the person who has the fastest time, what was their diet? Right. Yeah, were I don't know. Vegans? And if they were, why didn't you focus on this? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So I'll have to look that one up. Interesting. Yeah. Um, the next point was that all protein comes from plants. So animal protein is unnecessary. <laughs> I think the fact that they were claiming that they're the same is silly. Um Again, because animal protein is more bioavailable. And so I just think that's incorrect. And it's just a misrepresentation of facts in the research we have. Um, most plant proteins, like we mentioned, are lacking in essential amino acids, which means you have to get those essential amino acids through your diet. They are essential to eat. And if plants don't have them, but animal proteins do how I, the math is not mathing. They are necessary because you need, let me backtrack. They're not necessary um, in all aspects. They are a better way to get those essential amino acids, um, but you can get them through plants. Um, but I think just the blanket statement of saying they're unnecessary is not 100% correct. Um, most plant proteins are very low, if not absent of leucine, which is the most important amino acid in stimulating muscle protein synthesis. Um, so if you're looking to build muscle, plant proteins may not be the most efficient way to get you there. Um, just, just from a, a, <laughs> a factual perspective. Um, 
But, you know, like I said, you can get by without animal protein. You absolutely can. Um, but they are a superior source of essential amino acids. And that is just a fact. Um, so you're going to have to eat more volume to get the same amount. And if you're okay with that, cool. Um, but if not, and you're not willing to put in the effort to plan that, then you risk becoming deficient in just protein in general or specific amino acids. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you're hitting some good points here and I'm thinking about, uh, how practical it is when people see these things and they're not necessarily the type of people to stick to something or do it 100%. Yeah. Oh man, this looks great. Like I'm sold on everything Mm -hmm. and I'm going to go turn vegan and, oh, now I have to actually think about what I'm putting together. Okay. Now I've got to eat a little bit more. Okay. This is a little bit more difficult than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to, it, it may be, may or may not be, uh, less expensive or cost the same. Right. Then you start thinking about, okay, you know, all right, now I'm having to think about what I'm putting together, what I'm buying, you know, and I'm, I'm having to eat a little bit more. I'm a little more full, like, okay, maybe I want to go back. So, uh, I think those people who are on the fence, you know, they're great. You can get them in the door quickly, but how long do they stay there? Right? Like they may see some health benefits, I think early on, but in a yeah. lot of ways, money is more King time is more King than those things are. And that, and that's kind of sad, I guess, for the American, uh, population's health overall. Mm-hmm. But, um, I, I just think it's a lot more difficult than people think it is. All right. I mean, there are benefits to it, but man, there's, there's more than you think, right? It's not just a, okay, I can flip the switch and yeah. go over. And I'm going to be honest. I'm not saying that being a vegan or vegetarian is bad. Um, I think a more plant forward diet is good. And a lot of Americans don't have a more plant forward diet um, in the sense that they eat meat and they eat carbs and they eat a lot of processed and quick digesting things and they don't eat a lot of vegetables. They don't eat a lot of fiber and they don't eat a lot of fruit. Mm-hmm. I personally think that by combining all of those things, you kind of get this like superior diet. And that's when it's easiest to get all of the nutrients that you need from those foods. Right. Um, right. The other problem I see is when people become a vegan or a vegetarian and it becomes a reliance on all of these fake meats or these things that are like imitating other things. So for example, like tofurkey, uh, fake chicken nuggets, um, impossible burgers, impossible burgers. They are, they are filled with crap. Uh, they are, they're, they're not real food. Um, they're high in sodium. They've got a bunch of fillers in them. If you eat them once in a while, that's fine. If that, if those are your main sources of protein and that's what you're relying on to get protein, which half the time I don't even know what's in those things. But if you're relying on that, I think that's where like a lot of these, um, a lot of the times I'll see these kind of diets, one, not even really being followed the way that it's supposed to. Um, but two, it's this kind of like, I would say almost like faux vegetarian vegan because it's, you know, fake chicken and fake stuff versus, you know, 
getting your nutrients from whole foods that are plant-based. Um, so I see that a lot and that I think is just, it's just not healthy. And it's, I think worse, (laughs) it's worse than just, you know, either going one way or another. Like I said, you can definitely be a vegan or a vegetarian and make it work. But if you're just eating straight carbs and fat and you're just not getting any protein because you just aren't educated enough and just don't know, that's a problem. Um, yeah, so I'll get off my soapbox on that. So moving on. Oh, one thing oh, go ahead. Before we go on, one thing I wanted to say is like, uh, another thing that you could do, I guess, if you're plant-based, right. And you feel like you weren't getting enough protein and you weren't getting leucine, you're missing out on that is you could supplement those things. Right. Um, obviously you have to do your research a little bit, but that can also be costly because when you start to get, um, really, uh, specified, amino acids, those things aren't just, um, you know, cheap and available everywhere. Sometimes you got to weigh those options of like, what's more affordable for you. Again, speaking practically. Yeah. You also have to look at where those things come from because sometimes those things are not vegetarian and vegan from a supplement perspective. Right. So that's important too. Like if you're going to supplement with like a protein powder and you're vegan, way is not going to work. Like you can't, it's animal based. So it's the same thing. Like if you get a pea protein or a hemp protein or, you know, um, chia seed protein, whatever it is, it's still probably not a complete protein with all the essential amino acids. Some might be, or some might have those things added in, but if you're like a strict vegan or vegetarian, you still have to watch out for supplements. Um, but you're correct. That would be a, a way that you can kind of fill those gaps if necessary, if you don't want to spend the time. Um, again, that wouldn't be my first suggestion. Um, yeah. It would be best to try and get it through food first, um, but it is very difficult. Yeah. So, yeah. Get to the burrito. Let's talk yeah. about this. So, oh gosh, this one, this one's a doozy. Um, so the burrito experiment. So in this portion of the thing, the film, um, a doctor gives some burritos to Miami Dolphins players. And the the doctor, I did, I remember him just talking a lot about how meat clogs the arteries, reduces vasodilation, you know, all this stuff. Um, for most people, like when he takes the blood sample, he centrifuges it. And it show and it, he like holds it up and shows that the the vegan burrito that was given the serum is clearer and basically is like yes this will convince people that the vegan burrito is healthier because the serum is clearer and for most people I think you know if you don't know any better you're like wow it's clear that makes more sense I don't want to have foggy blood and fl- foggy serum um, right. but. When you think back about what he was saying of clogging the arteries and reducing vasodilation, that shows nothing about vasodilation or the endothelium function at all. Um, The cloudier sample from beef and chicken is probably just because they are higher in fat. And when you think about it, if you understand physiology and physiologically what's happening... um, it makes sense that it's probably a little cloudier. Um, when you eat fat, especially if you have a higher fat meal in your blood, that fat is packaged into things called chylomicrons and those transport the fat through your bloodstream to different organs and things like your liver 
or wherever they need to go, wherever they're being stored. So I think that was very misleading to show that just because it's cloudier, it means it's clogging your arteries. No, it doesn't. Just like if you showed after a high carbohydrate meal that your blood sugar was high, it doesn't mean that you have diabetes or that you have um, insulin resistance. It just means that you just ate a lot of carbohydrates So your blood sugar is spiked, which makes sense. If you ate a lot of carbohydrates and your blood sugar was not high, or I mean, if it's too high, obviously that's a problem. But if it's not high, that's also a problem. So I think it was just very misleading to say like, if there's fat in your blood, you're going to die and your arteries are going to be clogged and all this stuff. So um, I think it's also important to mention that there are studies to show that Low-fat animal sources, even red meat um, of protein, do not have worse effects on endothelial function when compared to non-animal sources of protein. Um, And even lean beef, which again is red meat and still has fat in it, has been shown to reduce systolic blood pressure and vascular constriction, aka increasing vasodilation or not constricting. So, Again, very misleading. I think it just kind of contributes to this um, narrative that fat is bad for you, um, and it's not. So yeah. I, I just that that part I hated that part so much. That's all I have to say. Yeah, that that one I thought they they did they did a good job on marketing for two different reasons. Number one, they brought professional football players in to do that, right? And like uh, Kenny Stills, who did it uh, when he was with the Miami Dolphins there and he was a receiver, that that was a pretty big name at the time, Mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. Um, So they did a smart thing there. And then uh, this is the part of the documentary where I thought they used a big scare tactic, right? Mm -hmm. Because they started talking about your arteries getting clogged, right? And everybody's got someone in their family who died of heart disease Uh somewhere, right? So like, it's a big deal. And I thought they did that really well um, here. And then they, they started to perpetuate that a little bit more and make it more. And and that guy had obviously a personal experience with his, his father having health concerns and health issues as well. So I thought that they really started to hit home on the health crisis part Mm -hmm. uh, with his burrito and then moving forward from there. Yeah. And even when they like flashed on the screen, like all these articles or um, like things about like heart disease and red meat and all this stuff, um, it was, yeah, very, very much fear mongering and played into that kind of um, emotional fear of disease and death, unfortunately, um, that a lot of people have had personal experiences with. No. So um, I thought that was, yes, it was, I guess, good marketing, but I think it was kind of sad that that's what they resorted to. Right. Um, Yeah. So that was on the the burritos. So good scare tactic. I I think it worked in a lot of people, unfortunately. Um, And then the last just kind of big topic I wanted to touch on is inflammation, because I think this word gets thrown around a lot. And, And there is... Obviously, chronic inflammation is very unhealthy, and that's where we do see a lot of these um, disease kind of patterns coming from cardiovascular disease, um, diabetes, and and kind of more of these like chronic illnesses. Um, but what I wanted to mention about a lot of the evidence, pr- you know, produced or shown about inflammation from the film is they use a lot of epidemiology studies 
to establish some of the causation um, in this inflammation talk, um, which epidemiology studies are not necessarily meant to create causation or to prove causation. Um, there are some studies that are not epidemiological epidemiological studies. I don't even know if that's how you say it, but that's what I'm going to say. Um, showing that substituting red meat for soy protein reduces inflammation. But it's important to note that the studies that the film cited, which again, substituting kind of this higher fat red meat for soy protein, um, most of the meat sources that were used in the studies they cited were very high in fat or the foods were high in fat. And so they use or high in calories. And so they kind of used those studies to establish this correlation of red meat equals inflammation. And if you eat more red meat, you're going to be more inflamed and have more inflammation. Um, one of the biggest contributors to inflammation is weight gain or having excess weight, body weight, body fat um, on average. And I think this kind of maybe ties into something that you were talking to earlier about, you know, vegans, vegetarians, and and kind of having a, a diet high in plants and fiber um, is good and is healthy, but they tend to consume fewer calories than people that are omnivores or more of a um, animal, I guess not animal based, but a mixed diet, um, which makes sense because it's, higher in fiber, they might get fuller more more often, maybe they don't eat as much. Maybe these people, and again, most of these studies don't really take into account what they're doing from an exercise perspective. When you think about it, like maybe more of these vegans, vegetarians were exercising more regularly, maybe others weren't. So that could have caused the inflammation. Did they look at disease states? Did they look at illnesses, medications? Who knows? Like there's a lot of other factors that for sure could have contributed to the inflammation markers. Um, so I think that's important. But again, on average, they consume less calories. And this one study showed about 600 less calories a day, which is pretty significant. So you can kind of imagine that, you know, their, their BMI or their body weight might be lower. Their body fat percentage might be lower. They might be exercising more. Um, so yeah, it makes sense that they'd potentially have lower inflammation. Um, so in another study that examined the relationship between red meat BMI and inflammatory markers, which I think was important. So the BMI was thrown in there. They found that while there was an association between inflammation markers and red meat, when they accounted for BMI and the differences in BMI, the associations between red meat and inflammatory markers were no longer significant, mm. essentially meaning. So if somebody had a normal BMI the uh, causation or the correlation between the inflammatory markers and the red meat consumption was no longer significant. Whereas if they had a higher BMI, they were significant. So the BMI played a role in some of those uh, data points. Right. Which could be uh, a result of things that aren't animal product related. Correct. Yes. Yeah. If their BMI is higher, you can... Again, this isn't a blanket statement, but there can be some assumptions that maybe they don't exercise as much as the people mm -hmm. who have a right, a normal BMI. Maybe they smoke. Maybe they have met, are on medications. Maybe they have diabetes. Maybe they, um, 
just eat more calories than the other people or eat more than their maintenance calories. Whatever the case might be, maybe they have a lower uh, percent of lean body mass. So there's a lot of other factors, but I think it's important to point out that, um, you know, when other factors are accounted for, the significance between red meat and inflammation is no longer significant. Right. So, yeah, I think that's a, Mm -hmm. that's a big one that I've heard of like animal products cause inflammation. And to be fair, um, exercise is good for you and it causes acute inflammation. So again, when we talk about inflammation, chronic, not good. Do want to avoid that acute not bad. Don't necessarily want to avoid that because it's there for a reason. That's how your body recovers. That's how your body communicates that, hey, there's some damage here. We need to fix that. And I need blood to the area. I need these nutrients to the area. So I think it just is, um, again, this kind of black or white, like inflammation is either good or bad. And no matter how you slice it, if there's inflammation, you're sick and you're dying and you need to be a vegan or else you're going to be inflamed all the time. (laughs) Yeah. That's just not true. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, uh, there's probably 500 other things I could have taken notes on, but those were really the heavy hitters that I think they focused a lot on. And that I think spoke to me the most that I could imagine athletes taking that and just the general public taking those heavy hitting points and saying, oh my gosh, I never thought about that and how what I'm doing now can contribute to all of these negative things. So I'm maybe I should be vegan and then it'll magically fix everything or I'll magically become this elite athlete that I wasn't before. Yeah. So. Uh, one thing that really perturbed me in the <laughs> documentary was the they tried to play to that your manhood type of thing right where it's like they were like you know it's always been said you're you know you're not a man if you don't eat meat thing but like i'm don't don't push that on me or don't don't try to like say that right like i get they were saying like you don't have to be that but why they brought that in the conversation again to make a point and to almost like push aside or advertise or like uh make people feel like it's okay because they had Arnold Schwarzenegger come on and say that he doesn't eat that anymore. Right. Yeah. 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 Like where uh, to me, it felt unnecessary to bring that topic up. uh, But I guess they felt like they needed to speak towards social norms from the 1950s. So, um, so that really perturbed me. But one thing I wanted to ask you was, or, or get your thoughts on was from the documentary, from the athletes they talked about, I felt like it was more appropriate for endurance athletes to be on this diet and it have, um, I don't know. I, I don't know if I want to say more effective, but like it just felt more appropriate for that energy system sport to be, um, I guess more so vegan yeah vegetarian i could not see miss that. out yeah i could see that i mean um i think when you look at the needs of endurance athletes they tend to be compared to other athletes they tend to be a little bit lower protein higher carbon fat um 
I think what what I would want those athletes to not take away from the documentary is that it's okay to eat less <laughs> um, and you don't need protein or you don't need complete proteins or right. whatever animal protein is not necessary. So uh, I see what you're saying. And I think, yes, that could definitely potentially make more sense in those athletes. I think the only thing that I would be worried about is the volume because just looking at my experience as an endurance athlete, especially a runner, and maybe this is more so on the runner side than like swimming or cycling or like, um, rucking and stuff like that. I was not hungry a lot of the time. And I think, I don't know if it had to do with just like the jostling or I don't know what it was, but I would be cautious with just the amount of fiber um, that sometimes those diets require or just naturally have. Um, So again, yes, it makes sense from an energy system perspective, but I, again, I, I think regardless if you're an athlete or whether you're not elite or you are elite, if you're not working with someone to kind of help figure that out, um, you just risk so many deficiencies that it makes me nervous, especially from an endurance perspective, uh, B12 and iron deficiency, which you see in a lot of endurance female athletes. Yeah. That, those things would just make me a little bit nervous for somebody who doesn't really know a whole lot about nutrition and is just kind of experimenting with it. I would be very nervous about um, those, especially in female athletes. Yeah. So, I mean, basically at the end of the day, do what you're going to do, but make sure that you're eating, you know, um, plenty of colors, fruits and vegetables. You're getting complete uh, protein. You're getting the right amount of carbs, proteins. Uh, you're eating uh, healthy fats, mm-hmm. uh, not not in excess of your processed foods, and you're staying active, right? At that point, it doesn't matter what you're doing as long as you're, you know, covering all those bases to make sure that you're a healthy, fully functioning human being at that point, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I'll follow that up with um, make sure you're getting regular labs, <laughs> especially if you're following. Chocolate, chocolate labs. <laughs> those are great, too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But especially B12, iron, um, a lot of those biomark- biomarkers, um, what does your hemoglobin look like? Right. Uh, so just making sure you're keeping up with that. Um, and reach out to a nutrition professional. Reach out to a registered dietitian just to yep. see. Even I would say like a lot of the, not a lot of the times because I'm not that, you know, prominent on social media. But there are times when people have just DM'd me and asked me a question and I'm more than happy to answer a simple question um obviously if it's like what should i eat that's a little bit more nuanced and you would want to work one-on-one with somebody but if you're confused about like how do i make a complete protein from plant-based foods you know that's fine like you can get those answers pretty you know relatively easily but if you're not sure about how to go about implementing a vegetarian or a vegan diet and you're an athlete Um, I think you'd save yourself a lot of time potentially getting injured and um, just a lot of frustration if you just enlist the help of somebody from the beginning. Right. I agree. I agree. Reach out to professionals. Yeah. So again, from just to summarize the game changer stuff, 
like Zach said, if you want to be vegan, be vegan, be vegetarian, do what you want. Um, but it's not going to make you, it's not magically going to make you a superior athlete to those who are not vegan or vegetarian. It's not going to make you a magically superior athlete if you're, you know, neglecting other areas like your training or your recovery and sleep and um, that sort of thing. It will take more strategy and planning, but it is possible. Um, and I think because Game Changers didn't do this, it would be nice in the future to see maybe a documentary just highlight these vegan and vegetarian athletes and just maybe show what they do versus trying to push this on other people. Yeah, I agree. Well, that was good stuff, Claire. I appreciate you, all your thoughts there and your insights. Um, hopefully everyone enjoyed that, got something from it. Um, Definitely go watch the documentary for yourself if you haven't. Um, and if you have, uh, I'm glad you can follow along with us and, and listen to our thoughts and uh, just as we go and review this. So looking forward to do this again um, in, a, in a few weeks. But next week, we'll get back to our uh, training and regular nutrition uh, schedule with our podcast. So thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, we will catch you on the next one. See ya.